top of that cathedral. But that, that event, Acts chapter 2, described in Acts 2, that was the beginning, that's the launch of this new phase of, of ministry of the Holy Spirit among believers and in believers of Jesus Christ. Now, it won't always, you know this, but it won't always happen exactly like it did at the launch. It's going to be far more diverse than that. Far more diverse. And it, it, you know, there's a lot of disagreement in all Christians today and for a long time about how the Holy Spirit operates in the church and in the Christian life. But everybody, no matter where they are in those debates, everybody understands that some aspects of Acts chapter 2 phenomenon are were unique and should not be expected to be repeated in every case where the Holy Spirit fills or, or comes or expresses himself. For, for example, I've never heard anyone, you know, I've been a believer 43 years, we've been fighting these fights, you know, having these theological arguments and so forth. I've never heard anybody insist that for the filling or baptism, and what happens in Acts chapter 2 is called filling in Acts chapter 2. Acts 1, it says baptism. Wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've never heard anybody say that for this, this filling or baptism of the Holy Spirit to be authentic, it must be accompanied by the sound like a mighty rushing wind that fills the whole place where these believers are. I've never heard anybody insist, no, that's biblical. That's the way it happened. For it to be authentic, it has to be like that. Nobody. Nobody. In the same way, nobody insists that for the filling of the Holy Spirit to be authentic, there must be some sort of visual manifestation. Something like a flame of fire. You know, something that comes down and you can see it and it rests on the heads. just like this picture. There's something, you saw something in it and that rests over their heads. And for it to be authentic, there has to be some sort of visual confirmation or, or evidence because it's that's biblical. He said, you know, that argument nobody makes ever. Nevertheless, some do insist that being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit, is necessarily marked by speaking in tongues or languages like what happened here. But we find out later in the New Testament that while every single Christian, every single believer in Christ is, is, has been baptized in, by the Holy Spirit, baptized into the body of Christ, not every believer speaks in a tongue or a language prompted by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For in one spirit we were all, all of us believers, all believers in Corinth, you know Corinth, there's not someone, not the greatest examples, not the greatest witnesses, right? We were all baptized into one body, the body of Christ, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. So we've all been baptized into the body of Christ. Corinthians 12.30, just a few verses later, and I'm going to use the New American Standard in this case because that puts a finer point on it. Where 1 Corinthians 12.30, all do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do, do they? And the obvious 
Regeneration simply means born again. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual birth to every Christian. Titus 3.5 is the passage. You can get it from a few places, of course. John, John's, uh, I mean, uh, Jesus' interview with Nicodemus, for one thing. John chapter 
John chapter 3. But Titus 3, 5, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit imparts life to every believer in Christ. He makes us alive toward God, and without his regenerating work in us, we would be dead toward God. This is, this is foundational because it goes to our spiritual identity. Who are you? Who are we? On like a spiritual DNA level. I don't mean there's a DNA, something in the physical DNA that is spirit related, but on a, by that comparison, who are you on the deepest level?
context here without asking you to turn to it. This is not about scoring touchdowns. It's not about starting a business. It's not about entering a beauty contest or going to run across the United States or something like that. It can be properly understood as I can deal with any situation in a way that pleases God because I am not on my own. The Holy Spirit goes everywhere you go if you're a believer. You can't go anywhere. You can't be in any situation that He's not there with you. He's not in you. Can I do this? Can I do this? Am I able? Am I capable? Am I competent? It's a foundational question, isn't it? Especially in the area of virtue. Especially in the area of morality. Can I live this life that God has called me to in Christ? And you know what? The answer is, can I live this life? Can I do it? The answer is both no and yes. It really is. The answer is both no and yes. No, because I'm a man of fallen flesh. You are too. Sin is in the bone and in the blood of every child of Adam. By the time you even realize it, it had already metastasized and gone to every part of your being. Your inner thoughts, your attitudes, your motivations. Some of which you keep secret even from yourself. Isn't it a shock to realize one of those things you've been keeping from yourself for a long time? That's how it works. All of our lives, it's been popular to say in Christian circles, and outside Christian circles, God will never tell you to do something or command you to do something that you can't do. And it sounds like it ought to be true because God is good and God is just. But I have found, in practice, it isn't true at all. I don't know about you, but he commands me beyond my abilities and beyond myself all the time. How about this one? Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Forgive 70 times 7. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Speak only such a word as is good for edification. Go. How about this? Go and sin no more. On and on. But the answer, you know, the answer is no. But the answer is also yes, because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, we've got to work. The kind of the default benediction that we've used.
how do you know you're going to get to a holiness that's necessary for anyone to see the Lord? You know, or you can know, because you have this promise and this, this statement that you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. Ephesians 1, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. How could there be any joy, any peace in life, if at any moment it could be over and you don't know what the outcome will be? Is there, is there any ground of assurance for us? And if there is, what is it? It isn't. It isn't putting trust in your own moral record, is it? That's, that's what delivers you to death. The wages of sin is death. And, but that question is just what Paul asked Romans 7. Who shall free me from the body of this death? He answers his own question. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Next, next first verse of the, of the next chapter. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what's the Holy Spirit's role in that? He seals us. We're marked as God's property. And we're going to get from where, from here to there. We're going to get to the to the destination. What would the this Christian life be like if not for that? He has not given us a chance at eternal life. He's given us the promise of eternal life. And the Holy Spirit has a role in that. He seals us, marks us, protects us. And these are the foundational works of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer since Pentecost. And they're foundational because they go to the heart of identity. Every person has to wants to know. It has to know. Who am I? What am I? And it goes to the sense of, of spiritual ability, of moral confidence. They want to be good. Be seen as good and be good. To the heart of, a, of our sense and experience of a family, of belongingness, and, and, and of security, this sense of this sense of peace that, that I'll exist beyond my death. That there's something, there's something more. It, it goes to the heart of what it means to live as a human being made in God's image. Not a mere animal. Goes to the deepest, it's the answer to the deepest longings of the human heart. They're what everybody wants. Christians, non Christians alike. Everybody wants, everybody needs, everybody pursues, whether they know it, whether they realize it, or not. And Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. When we consider these works of the Holy Spirit, we begin to see what he's talking about. In other words, he didn't say, I came that they might have life and have it interminably. It's not just duration, is it? It's quality. It's depth. Here, here's another way to say it. You can reject. 
reject Christ. Someone can reject Christ. You can resist the Holy Spirit. We know that, don't we? Stephen, Stephen preached, you always resist the Holy Spirit. We can reject Christ. We can resist the Holy Spirit. But you cannot keep yourself from spending your life Thank you. 
virtue signaling? By the way, I, I have a pet peeve of, uh, of Christians, uh, preachers, teachers, still railing against moral relativism. And this idea every man does what's right in his own eyes. It's still, you know, talking about how bad that is and everything. It's, it's bad, but you can't find any anymore. The moral relativists are gone. Everybody's a moralist in their own way. We live in a Puritan world. This is a Puritan world. It's just there's different kind of Puritans. We've overlooked the fact that moral relativism was only a, uh, a transitional phase when the when the world switched from one system of morality to another. Well, the other is dominant now. Now, now, if there's any, if anybody's a, 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 a relativist, it's us. Can we and we say can we in our own
explains a lot of what you see on the news. If you if you think if you watch the news, and the political, and you and you realize that what you're watching is God has placed eternity in people's hearts, and people are seeking to fulfill that in in things that cannot fulfill. That will all that will be frustrating. Without any foundation whatsoever at the graveside. 